You're listening to the City Church Downtown Podcast. Now here's Humby Savetta. All right, so over the last few weeks, Doug has been leading us in this series called Whisper, and he's been explaining to us what it means to hear a whisper from God. And the big idea he's wanted us to walk away with every single week is hear from God and have the guts to respond. So God speaks to us. But we learned that it's not necessarily like clouds opening and, you know, a ray of sunshine beaming down on you and a booming voice from the cloud speaking to you. But most of the time, it's in a whisper. And those whispers can come in a few ways. He can whisper to us through people. Uh, Somebody might have a word from you. Hey, God told me this to say to you. Or it can be a prompting where you're just like, this is the right thing for me to do. You just understand how to do it. Uh, But today... um, we're going to be talking about a different way that God can whisper to you. It's pain. Um, you know, Doug was really generous in giving me the really fun thing to talk about in this series. Um, now, guys, there isn't a single person in all of existence that doesn't understand pain on some level. And because of that, I want to kind of explain, uh, give you guys a background on pain and just why it kind of exists in the world. Because remember, we are all living in a broken world where sin is allowed to run rampant. Pain was brought on after original sin happened in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. Now, because of that, we don't live in that garden. So we don't get that fantastic, perfect setup that God had made for us in the beginning. The world we live in is a far cry from what Adam and Eve experienced. So when we feel pain, it's not like judgment on our life. It's not God saying, oh, you did it the wrong way, naughty, naughty, here's what's going to happen to you now. What ends up happening is there's a lot of times uh, that we walk down a wrong path, and because of free will, we're allowed to experience the consequences of those bad choices. But again, God isn't up there saying, no, no, let me go ahead and take care of you, you did wrong, so I'm going to judge you now. That's not how this works. So here's the crazy thing about this topic of pain. There are few things in our life that will get our full attention like pain. You can ignore your Bible. You can ignore your friend's advice. You can ignore a prompting that you've been given. But there's no way you can ignore pain. Famous theologian and author C.S. Lewis says it like this in his book, The Problem of Pain. There he says, God whispers to us in our pleasures, but shouts in our pain. And there have been times in my life that God has done exactly that, shouting at me. So most of the time for me growing up, I wanted to go to the University of Texas. I had dreamt of going to this school as a little kid. So for all of my school days, elementary, middle, high school, like, I was like, I got to work hard because I want to go to UT someday. Now, by the time my senior year came around, my grades and combined SAT scores were enough to get me in. So I filled out the application, and I didn't even think twice about it because I knew in the fall I'd be hanging out there at UT. So a month went by, and I got a letter back, which is kind of quick. And the letter had nothing to do with my grades. It had nothing to do with me being accepted. All it said was, I forgot my $40 application fee. Yeah. So I, you know, got the check, threw it in there, sent it back off. A couple months go by, they send me a letter back. They're like, hey, awesome. Your grades were great. Your SAT scores are awesome. You have been accepted. 
but you're on a waiting list of about 12,000 people. So that was pretty much the death of my dream of going to UT. $40. So I went to my backup school, UTSA. Yeah. So that looked super pretty. That was not there when I was going to school. It's gotten way better since I started going. Really, a lot of it happened after I left, but I'm not too upset about it. So each day I spent on that campus, I hated it. I would sit there and be angry about how I should have been in Austin and how I missed out and how I could have been somewhere better. Well, what I thought was better. Dad insult to injury, uh, my high school girlfriend broke up with me, cheated on me, did all the stuff. I thought I was in love with her and just everything kind of centered around her in my life at that time. But the cherry on top of all of this was it was during that season that I found out that my grandpa didn't have much time to live. My grandpa was the person that I turned to when I needed advice and he was the guy that I, I talked to when just things were going crazy and I was about to watch him waste away over the next few months. During this time, I remember each morning I would wake up and there would be this pain in my stomach, like somebody put a, a, like a barbell just in my stomach and I had to walk around with this weight all day long. It was by far the worst season of my life. And I just remember being so upset one day and just so frustrated with everything because I was like, I did everything right. I've been following the right things. I've been doing the right stuff. And all I got was pain. So I looked up in the sky and I shouted. I, I, I shouted at God. I said, what was wrong with my plan? I had this all set up. I know what I'm doing. What was wrong with my plan? So that was me shouting at God. But little did I know, he was shouting right back at me. Remember the C.S. Lewis quote, God whispers to us in our pleasures, but shouts in our pain. So I, I read this the first time and kind of started chewing on it, and, and through this, two questions popped into my head. The first one is, why is God shouting at us? The second one is, what is he shouting at us? So let's take a look at this first question. Let's kind of break this down. Why is God shouting at us? Really what I'm asking is, why am I feeling pain. Well, let's look at the pain in the Bible. We see many, many, many biblical characters go through pain time and time again. Abraham and Sarah suffered through infertility. Moses was a fugitive on the run. Daniel was literally thrown into a den full of lions. And those are just a few Old Testament characters. That's not counting uh, New Testament and just everything in general. That's just a few. But the guy I want to talk about is the Old Testament character, Joseph. You see, Joseph was one of 12 sons of Jacob. And he was actually one of the youngest. And not only that, Jacob was his father's favorite. And as you can imagine, the older brothers weren't like super excited that the younger brother was walking around being the favorite. And then it went to another level when Jacob's dad gave him this coat. It was a full-length coat, long sleeve that was multicolored, like incredible, beautiful coat. But the tipping point for all these brothers was one day, little brother Joseph has a dream, and he's like, hey guys, I gotta tell you about this dream. I'm gonna have full dominion over you guys one day. I'm totally gonna like rule over you. So as you can imagine, 
The brothers weren't exactly excited about that. There in Genesis 37, it says, his brothers responded, so you think you'll be our king, do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. So shortly after this conversation that Joseph has with his brothers, they get together, they conspire against him, and they sell Joseph into slavery. Then the brothers get the coat, the special coat, dip it in goat's blood, and present it to their father and say, he was killed by wild animals. So Joseph is sold off, he's taken to Egypt, and he ends up in the house of Potiphar. And everything's going great. He's doing a great job. He's actually put in a very high position in the house, basically running the house. And it's all good until Potiphar's wife kind of starts giving him the eyes. And she kind of starts coming on to him, chasing after him all the time. Joseph resists, 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 until finally one day, Potiphar's wife accuses him of rape. And he's thrown into jail immediately. Joseph's thrown into jail. Now, while in jail, he's hanging out and he interprets a dream of the Pharaoh's butler. He was in jail with him there. He tells him, hey, you're going to be back in favor with the Pharaoh. You'll be good. Don't worry about it. He did that by listening to God. He got a whisper from God that explained what that dream meant. So the butler gets out of jail, does go back and serve Pharaoh, gets back in his good graces. And one day, the Pharaoh's having crazy dreams that he doesn't understand. And he tells his butler about it. And the butler's like, hey, I know a guy. So they call Joseph. He comes in, interprets the dream. And when Pharaoh realizes just how on the money Joseph is with this interpretation, he's elevated to second in command of the entire nation of, Israel, of Egypt. Only second to Pharaoh. So things worked out nicely for Joseph. Not only that, he went ahead and stored a bunch of grain and resources because he knew a famine was coming. So he stored up all these resources. And when the famine hits, all the nations from around Egypt are coming to Egypt to buy grain and resources and all the things that people need to survive. Now, on one of these days, he's hanging out. He sees a group of people walking up to buy supplies from them his brothers. So he invites them into his home, this great, big, beautiful home for a meal, and finally reveals himself to his brothers. And his brothers freak out because, I mean, they sold him into slavery. But he doesn't strike back at them. He doesn't get his revenge. And it's in that moment that he realizes what God had done. In Genesis 50, Joseph says it like this. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for all good all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. So the question that I pose first, why is God shouting at us? Well, he's shouting at us through pain to serve a purpose intended for good. He wants you to move in the direction that he needs you. He intended all this pain that you are going through for good. Remember, pain is part of the curse that has been placed in the world when sin entered into it. But that's not where it ends. He can turn it around. 
He can recycle it so you can use it for good. The pain the world is inflicting on you right now could be the turning point for your entire life. Now, during your season of pain, listen to what God is saying to you. This pain could be helping you break down a false idol in your life. It can reveal where you need healing that you didn't realize you needed it. It can refine the life you are leading, and it can refocus you on God like nothing else can. Best-selling author and theologian Timothy Keller says it like this in his book, Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering. It is only in pain that our love relationship with God can become more and more genuine. So that's why my big idea is this for this section. Pain has purpose. Pain has purpose. And that's a pretty good takeaway, but that's just the half of it. So remember, we had two questions to answer today. Why is he shouting at us? And what is he shouting at us? So I figured someone that would know about this pain and know a lot about what this pain is all about, what he's saying to us, is, would be the Old Testament character, David. If you recall, he is regularly called a man after God's own heart. So he's got to have some good insight on how to deal with this and what God is saying during this time. So I'll kind of give you some context of David. When he was a young shepherd boy, the famous prophet of Israel, Samuel, showed up to his house. You see, Samuel had gotten a whisper that the next king would be in this household. So he shows up, goes and sees the family, goes and looks at the brothers, looks at the big, strong, strapping young lads, and God tells them, no, that's not it. Goes and looks through all their different brothers, no, no, no. And finally, he looks at the father and says, hey, are, are, do you have any more sons here? And they go, yeah, David's out in the field. Samuel goes, well, bring him inside. And when he sees him, God whispers to him in that moment, and we see that in 1 Samuel. And the Lord said, this is the one. Anoint him. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed David with the oil. And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. So it was easy to see the Spirit all over David's life when we read through the Bible after that. You see, David would play his harp and sing for the king, King Saul, because the king would, was being tormented by these evil spirits, so he would call David in, and David would sing these songs, and these evil spirits would stop tormenting him. And it was through that relationship that King Saul made David his armor bearer. So one day, while they're in battle, David's you know, bearing Saul's armor, they're in battle with the Philistines. And David volunteers to fight the opposing army's most lethal soldier, Goliath. And it's through his trust in God that David was able to defeat the giant with a slingshot and a single stone. So as you can imagine, the nation of Israel is like, man, this dude David, he's legit. They start singing songs about him all over the country. And in that time, Saul becomes jealous. And through that, it grows into anger to the point where he starts chasing after David and trying to kill him every chance that he can. 
And the only way David could stay safe was by fleeing his nation, hiding in foreign lands, caves in the wilderness. During this time, David is doing the best that he can to listen to the whispers God has for him. But the entire time, Saul continues to chase after him. That pain doesn't go away that his king and his king's army wants him dead. Years and years go by, and David and his men aren't able to return home until after Saul is killed in a battle by the Philistines. So how did David, a man after God's own heart, a man who knew he had been anointed to be the king, react to God during this time of pain? Well, let's look at the psalm he wrote. In Psalm 34, it says this, I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak his praises. I will boast only in the Lord. Let all who are helpless take heart. Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt his name together. A man after God's own heart knew what God wanted him to do when he was in pain. He knew what God was talking to him about, shouting at him through pain. Praise. He praised him, right? Are we able to do that? Are we able to praise when our life is going horribly? Well, let's look at it from, from the opposite side. When things are going great and everything's awesome, are we going, oh man, what a great God we serve, it's awesome. Or are you just enjoying what you're being given? Did the relationship that we entered into with God, was it a relationship where we expect him to serve us? Or should it be a relationship where we are serving him? Now when things are good in a relationship, any relationship, it's easy to take things for granted. And I think the same thing can happen to us with God. But guys, let me tell you, it is the wrong relationship to do that in. Just because things are awful in your life doesn't mean that God isn't looking after you. Just because things feel like they will never get better doesn't mean that God is walking each and every step with you. And I think what he is shouting at us every single time we are in pain is, I love you. I'm right here. Turn to me. So when we're in pain, and we're able to look past that noise, and we're able to tune out all the terrible things that are happening, and we can tune into God, and we hear him saying, I love you. I want you to look back at him and say, I love you too, thank you. Mark Betterson says it like this in his book, Whisper. He says, don't let what is wrong with you keep you from worshiping what is right with God. Don't let that pain keep you from worshiping him. The greatest praise that we can give God is when we are in the middle of pain and we don't even really want to, that's the greatest praise that we can give. So that brings us to the second half of today's big idea. First half is pain has purpose, so praise through it. Pain has purpose, 
So praise through it. So when you are in your toughest times, praise God. Because there is always something to be thankful about and amazed by. I'm sure there's somebody out here that's like, there is literally nothing good happening in my life. There's nothing I can praise. Well, let's get it to like the most basic level. God created a universe, created an earth. And if we can look at the science and the way that our atmosphere is constructed with just enough oxygen and nitrogen and all those different uh, things that are in the air, if we can look at that and see that it was composed exactly in the right way, then we can be thankful for that, that we can even breathe on this earth. Because as far as we know, this is the best planet for life, to our knowledge, in the entire universe. And he created that for us. So if you can't find anything good to praise in your life, praise that, that you are able to breathe right now. It's nothing short of miraculous. So let's jump back into my story. I was at school. I didn't want to be at. My grandpa, one of the people I always turn to when things are going bad, uh, is gone. The girl I was dating uh, and I thought I was in love with, she's long gone. And I was waking up every single morning with a physical pain in my stomach. And I didn't know what to do with it. So how did I cope with it? Did I turn to God and praise him? Did I realize that pain had purpose and I just needed to praise God through it? Of course not. I did my best to kill that pain on my own. I partied, I drank, I played video games, I chased ladies. I did everything I could to make that pain in my stomach go away. And you know what? It worked for like just a few hours here and there. But every single morning I woke up, every single time I felt that pain in my stomach, the first thing I felt when I woke up. About 18 months after the initial death of my dream of going to UT, I was done. I didn't have anything left in me. I felt like I was failing in every single aspect of my life. I was in a whirlwind of sadness and anger and disappointment. I felt like there was only one way that I could get out of it. So one day, you know, I'm in, I'm in the middle of crying and, and anger and, and just frustration. I'm, I'm there at my house and I waited for my family to leave and, you know, I, I walked down to the kitchen, opened up a drawer, and I grabbed a knife and put it up to my wrist. I pushed down and, and I just couldn't like follow through with it. So I, you know, 
threw the knife back, went back, and and just, um, I, I felt like even worse because I couldn't even do that right. So I continued on in my pain, continued on in my life. And months after this attempt, this failed attempt, a couple of friends of mine invited me to this new college Bible study group that was starting at their church. They said they were having it at gym, so I was like, cool, I'll get a chicken fried steak. It's awesome. Um, And really, the only reason I went was so I could go and just be like, hey, I hated it. Don't ever ask me to go to this again. Um, Just so I could blow them off and say, hey, yeah, whatever. Um, So I showed up, and the people there were actually super cool, and I I liked a lot of them, and I got along with them really well, and uh, I continued to go. And I kept on going, and I kept on going, and I kept on going. Now, I can honestly say that that Bible study changed my life. And if I'm being really, really honest, that group of people, that Bible study, saved my life. The crazy thing is that the pain didn't stop while I started going to this Bible study. It was still there. But I learned to praise through my pain. And I started to see that God had purpose for my pain. I saw that the purpose that God had for me, being at UTSA and not being at UT. I mean, first off, it helped me change spiritually. Like being in that Bible study group with all those good people, it changed the trajectory of my spiritual life. It totally changed my relationship with God. Also, while I was at UTSA, uh, I was taking a class, and randomly they offered uh, like a tour of a TV station here downtown, WAI-TV. And while I was there, I was like, hey, can I get an internship? And that's how my career started, uh, was through that random thing. And that class was never offered again for the rest of the years I was going to UTSA. It just so happened to be the one time I was there was when it was offered. So my professional life completely changed. And then not long after starting the Bible study, we had this big group meeting, and I met this really pretty girl that I'd actually seen in a few of my classes there at UTSA. So you fast forward to now. Lauren and I will be married for 10 years this summer, and we have two of the best kids we could ever ask for. So when I look at it, because I went to UTSA, I ended up in that, Bible college, that college Bible study group. And because of that, I'm standing in front of you right now. So if that's not crazy enough for you, remember last week when Doug talked about his prompting that he got while he was working in the marketplace? He got a prompting to go back the way he came, to go back and look to work at City Church. Well, after there was an incredible one-time offering of $30,000, he was hired back on the staff. The very first thing he started when he got back was a college Bible study group that had its first ever meeting at gyms. There's purpose in our pain So praise your way through it. And guys, God understands this so well. We see it in 1 Peter. He says, in his kindness, God called you 
to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered, after you have felt pain for a little while, he will restore, support, and strengthen you. And he will place you on a firm foundation. And guys, the means of Christ Jesus, the way that he got this done for us to share in this eternal glory was pain. It was him hanging from that cross with the weight of the sins of the world on his shoulders. Jesus didn't save us in spite of pain. He saved us through his pain. And it's a pain that has saved all of us. And you know what kept him up there? You know what kept him going? Because he could have like supermaned his way off of that at any point and just been, I'm done with this cross. It was his love for you. He did it for you and for you, for you and for me. Simply put, the pain of the cross was totally worth it for each and every one of you. And if you've never accepted that, if you have gone your life without understanding that Jesus loves you so much that he took on that pain, I want you to have the opportunity to do it right now. So let's all bow our heads and pray. If you want to start this relationship with a God that loves you this much, I want you to silently pray this prayer between you and God. God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for seeking after me. Thank you for letting me know that I am worth your sacrifice on that cross. So right here, right now, I want to say that I believe in you, Jesus. I believe that you died on the cross for all the bad stuff I've done in my life. And from here on out, I want to follow you the best way I know how. Thank you. Let's just keep your hands bowed. If you just prayed that right now, I just want you to look up at me. Just look up at me. You're loved. You're loved. You're loved. You're loved. Yeah. So just bow our hands again. For everyone else in here, if you were in the middle of pain, you to pray this with me. Father, hear me right now. I am drowning. I am overwhelmed and in pain. Let me hear what you are shouting at me right now. Show me the purpose of my pain. Refine our relationship. Speak to me now, Lord. Your servant is listening. 
Father, no matter what happens, I will praise you at all times. I will constantly speak of your glory. Amen. So guys, let's do just that. Let's stand and worship and praise our great God. sing your praise, Lord. Even when things are bad, even when my body is broken, even when my relationships are torn, even when I don't have anything left, even then I will only sing your praise. And Lord, we thank you. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to sit and serve and be with you. We love you so much, and we pray all of these things in your holy, holy name. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit citychurchdowntown.com.